It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello and welcome back to ESSR Central here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. A special three-man panel this week. I am Roscoe Ramon, Ross McLean himself, joined by... <laughs> Big Daddy Not So Cool, David Hockney. How you and, doing, Ross? And Isherwood Hulk Hogan himself, John Isherwood. <laughs> what you saying, brother? <laughs> John, you've been on the channel a couple of times before. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, not so bad, not so bad. Uh, if you want to listen to previous episodes of Centrals or our feature shows, or any of our news, reviews, interviews, and previews, that's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites, and at Suplex Retweet on all good social media platforms, the ones the kids are using, like MySpace, Bebo, Friend Finder. We are there. We are there. Abo Hotel. <laughs> Abo Hotel. Gosh, that takes me back. <laughs> um, but guys, there's really only place we can one place we can start this week, and that is... Obviously, the massive news that came out this past weekend, a two-time Universal Champion and one-time WWE Champion, Bray Wyatt, released uh, by WWE. John, I'll start with you. Um, what were your immediate thoughts when you seen this news? Stunned. Um, wow. I didn't see it coming at all. Uh, obviously, Bray wasn't on TV and he was expected to come back. I believe he was going to come back at some point this month. And yeah, there was a picture that came out of him. Uh, some fans spotted him and he was looking in great shape. Everything was seemingly, you know, kind of gearing that he was popping back out again. And then, you know, you see he's been released and that's a genuine head scratcher. That's one of the, those like, what, really? This guy is super over. He sells a boatload of merchandise. There's, you know, there's obviously something very special about him. You, you put him in a hugely, you know, very prominent position on the card and now he's gone and that was very baffling but then also it kind of just followed the pattern of what they've been doing recently I assume that Bray was on a very good contract they've seen the bottom line and that is all that you know Nick Khan and the team have seen right now and gone you're on a huge amount of money you're not on TV regularly see you later yeah Dave um, rumours continuing to swirl that WWE is going up for sale or Part of it is going up for sale, at least. Um, more and more big earners let go by the company. 
And Bray Wyatt, a massive earner, but you have to say, for the fact that he got over time and time again, despite the booking, he certainly earned that big contract. Oh yeah, it's for sure. I mean, the Fiend character in particular, and it's almost two years old, which is mental to think about. You know, it hasn't been around that long, but to have such an impact in such a short space of time, you know, the the vignettes leading up to it, the debut at uh, SummerSlam a couple of years ago, he just hit all the right notes. And I think that falls back on how much of a creative genius Wyndham Rotunda is. You know, the the whole Fiend gimmick was sort of his idea. There was a, a very intriguing story behind it. The way he portrayed himself as this sort of Jekyll and Hyde character with the Firefly Funhouse. And then when he goes to the ring, he's this scary, monstrous looking fella. And it's, everybody was, everybody loved it just for how genuinely captivating it is. And I think it's reflected in his colleagues' responses as well. Like a few WWE superstars have tweeted out the reactions. Like uh, Sasha Banks was tweeting out, he's got the whole world in his hands. Isaiah Swerve Scott saying, you inspired me. But I think the one that stuck was Alexa Bliss saying, uh, I really am at loss for words. Thank you so much, Wyndham, for everything you've done for this company. It's So it goes to show he wasn't just popular with the fans. He clearly was popular with a lot of people backstage as well. I thought he was a genius. You know, it, some of the stuff that he did was brilliant. And working with Tom Savini on that mask was great. You know, even the belt looked cool. Mm. And just some of the stuff that he, he's done along the way. I mean, I I, I loved... I'm a horror fan, so I I like that kind of thing. There were a few flaws with it. I think they could have really played upon the split personality stuff, I, you know. But uh, they they didn't give him enough time to do it. Yeah, you know, they went, "Oh wait a minute, you're popular. Let's kick you to to the title." Mm. And he didn't didn't need it. You know, it, there was so much more that could have been done. But they, you know, stop, start, stop, start all the time. Like I said, I love a lot of what Bray did. I love his stuff with the White family and the Shield. I, I really enjoyed what he did with Daniel Bryan when he brought him into the family. The Fiend, I thought, was an incredible character. Bringing Alexa over, I thought she was going to take over as the Fiend. That's kind of how it was going. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it, this one's just it's just baffling. I mean, yeah. the guy's going to be great, whatever he does. Yeah, you know, whether it, in in or out of wrestling, but yeah, wow, what a bizarre move this is. It was. It was almost as if he was always at the, you know, like when you are in when you're in a, a major promotion like WWE, you want to be in the main event, you want to be in these big matches, but he was always sort of right place, wrong time sort of thing, you know. Yeah. You know, twenty twenty one John Cena, you know, maybe they would have put Wyatt over because Cena's more of a, a part timer now. Twenty fourteen Cena was still very much. Very much the Superman Cena, you know. Mm. We had The Undertaker, he couldn't lose two WrestleManias in a row. We had, you know, that Randy Orton had won the Royal Rumble. They hadn't done a Royal Rumble winner winning the title for a few years. Um, you know, the Daniel Bryan stuff, he won the feud, but the fans weren't happy about it. So it was when the feuds that he won, the likes of Seth Rollins, uh, post WrestleMania 33, um, Victories over Finn Balor, no one was happy about that. And then when it came to the time for him to win, he always lost. He was always at the right place at the wrong time, I feel. Um, sorry, you go. No, I was going to say, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And I think that just added mounting frustrations with the fans, uh, his colleagues, and even for himself in some capacity. Like, like just to sort of share another 
tweet that was read out. I think Mickey James was very outspoken about this one. It's like uh, yes. WWE's uh, obviously posted their future endeavors uh, tweet, you know, saying he'd been released. And then Mickey James immediately responds by saying, I think what you meant to say was, thank you so much for coming up with such an incredible gimmick time and time again. One so cool and over. We really don't know how to book it right. So we just gave it to someone else so we can still make all the money off of it and let you go. I mean, <sighs> I think it's just I think it's just coming from a pit of frustration there. But the everything you said about you know being in the wrong place at the right time, that kind of thing, it was yeah, it just, it just didn't flow. Uh, except maybe apart from that initial flurry of genius when the fiend arrived, but then mm-hmm. almost immediately after, he gets put in that that horrendous booking inside Hell in a Cell where it goes to a. a like a DQ finish or whatever the heck that was. It was, oh, a, it was a shambles. No yeah, it was a no contest. It's a shambles. Yeah, that, that's something that annoys me. Like, so I know we, and I'm not having a you here, Dave, but it seems to be that that's the the accepted finish. WWE said it was a no contest, but everyone goes, how is there a DQ in Hell in a Cell? There wasn't a DQ in Hell in a Cell. It was a no contest. You know, it happened <laughs> the year before as well, and no one gave a shit. Um, <laughs> but the Fiend... Incredibly popular wrestler Bray Wyatt, but would never get put into the right places. And then when the fiends started shifting merchandise, you know, masks, you know, they've been looking for a new Rey Mysterio character for years. So as soon as the fiends start selling masks, I'm not saying they're the same thing, but you know, merch money is merch money. He's thrown into that title picture far too soon. And um, it was something that, you know, we've talked about before with Keith Lee when he came to the main roster. He was thrown, you didn't want to see him at the bottom of the card, but he was thrown right into the top of the card when Randy Orton was at his peak and Drew McIntyre was first-time champion. He kind of got lost in the shuffle and the Fiend sort of got lost in the Seth Rollins hate. It wasn't they were cheering Fiend, they were hating Seth Rollins at the time, pre-heel turn. He gets drafted to SmackDown. He sort of just floats about there and then along comes Goldberg and it's WrestleMania, we need big names, Goldberg takes the title. He sort of gets lost in that sort of shuffle. On the Mickey James comment, I wasn't a fan of that comment and I'll, I'll explain why. Um, so, they were a duel, The Fiend and Alexa Bliss, for more than six months. You know, they were working together, they were very good together, people loved it, people loved the idea of The Fiend being you know, taking someone to play that sort of sister Abigail role that we've never seen. Then, unfortunately, real life steps in and it was reported after WrestleMania that the reason Bray Wyatt had taken time off before WrestleMania was because he was upset after the death of his close friend, Brody Lee. And then he was going to take more time off after WrestleMania to process it and deal with it. Now, if WWE have released him because he's not coming back due to mental health grounds, which we don't know, I'm just saying, then that does make them in the wrong and that does make them a, you know, a shower of bastards. But it's not as if they just kind of... I, I don't know if you guys remember. Remember when Big Show started stealing the Yes chance? Uh, in 2013? So. It was oh, Randy, yeah, Orton, yeah. Big, Randy Orton Big Show 2013 and they started giving the Yes chance to like Big Show... It wasn't as if they did that. This was a tag team that were together and Alexa Bliss's main role from rest, uh, from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania was to keep The Fiend relevant and keep him about. You know what I mean? Like, so 
when they did the turn because Wyatt was leaving again, you know, obviously she's still going to keep the gimmick because she's betrayed Bray Wyatt. I, so I wasn't a fan with that comment. That That's obviously a, I'm pissed off at WWE, so everyone else has to be pissed off at WWE and scatter guns out. So I wasn't a fan of that comment. We don't know why Bray's been released yet. Allegedly, but, it was uh, budget cuts. Yeah, the, the main reason is budget cuts. And... It, yeah, it, it almost seems as if, you know, John, we talk about sometimes people being punished for getting over. Um, Bray Wyatt made the WWE a lot of money to get into the position to have a very big contract. And now that they're looking at selling and they're looking at that bottom line, it almost looks like he's being punished for it. It does look like they've made this decision from a purely financial point of view where they have just seen the amount of zeros that were on the end of his contract and gone, yeah, that's that's got to go. You're not on TV every week. You're not doing anything you know, that's productive. You're probably costing quite a lot, not just in your contract, but also in production terms with Firefly Funhouse and the mask and everything else and the, and the character, the setup and everything else we've got to do graphic-wise for you. So, you know, unless changes are made, then, uh, oh, okay, right, fair play, you're gone. And, it, yeah, it's it's strange what they're doing with that. I mean, obviously, you know, they moved people like Braun Strowman away because he was on ridiculous amounts of money, and they, they frankly had nothing for him. Uh, I assume there was something very similar in the background here. They didn't have much for Bray to go off. I mean, obviously, he could have worked something out himself. I'm sure he would have done and pitched it and it would have got in. But yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot probably still to come out about this release. I mean, I don't think budget cuts are going to be the only excuse for it. It's it's baffling, it's frustrating. And, I, you know, I just hope that, that Wyndham Rotunda is, is fine and his mental health is good, uh, he's okay, uh, and, and he can move on now and he can do something. He, he will be... Absolutely fine, wherever he goes. I, I, I'd love him to go into Hollywood and use that brain in, in sort of story pitches and stuff like that. I'd love him to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was in NXT season two. That was the first time we saw him as Husky Harris. He was paired with Cody Rhodes as his pro. So obviously I, I as, as much as all of you, look forward to endless amounts of eight, Bray Wyatt to AEW rumours. You know, it'll happen for a year. He won't show up. He'll show up in like three years, and then everyone will what? I told you, I told you he was going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you say it for three years and it happens three years later, you're eventually going to be right. But, um, but yeah, best of luck to wherever he goes. Hopefully, hopefully this goes the way of Samoa Joe and rumored to be mm. Braun Strowman, who's rumored to be being brought back, and that he is brought back, and he's brought back. You know when he's ready and here's hoping everything's all right and if he doesn't come back to WWE well best of luck to wherever he ends up. Um SummerSlam, it's sort of a a beacon in the distance for us wrestling fans. It, it's great to have fans back uh, over the past few weeks. We were robbed of two WrestleManias in a row in front of that big football style stadium. We're so near, guys. We're so near to SummerSlam. And now there's rumours coming out, John, that we might be going back to the Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw this report earlier. And obviously, 
yeah, the concern in America about the pretty high rate of COVID-19 flying around is is really concerning a lot of people. Now, um, it looks like this is just a bit of a contingency plan right now. Um, I'm hearing about a mass mandate, which I think is, you know, should be in place anyway at the moment in big indoor events like that. Um, while case numbers are high and and whatnot, yeah, I think it's, it's people's responsibility to keep each other safe, but I don't think they want to go back now to the Thunderdome, the Thunderdome after being out in front of capacity crowds for a good few weeks. They're going to look any way they can to have the show in front of fans any way they can. Um, but obviously the fans, the talent and everybody's safety is paramount. And if, you know, the, the government, the state, uh, I assume it's the state of Nevada, is it? Because they're in Las Vegas. Ah, Nevada, yeah. Yeah. If they say no go, no go, you know, and don't just like try and shove it somewhere else just to, you know, have some fans in there, respect them, give them another show later down the line. You know, just say, look, we're we're going to keep you safe. We're going to put this in the Thunderdome for now. We're going to do something like that. But it must be unbelievably frustrating. Mm-hmm. Really must. Yeah, it was. Um, I was. I've been keeping a track of uh, how things have progressed in America. Like, there's a lot. I watch a lot of like CNN and MSNBC on YouTube and stuff just to sort of keep track of it. And yeah, apparently the Delta variant's been uh, going crazy over in America lately because people have been refusing to get vaccinated. So I think the the sort of key problem in the states is there's just been this wave of disinformation uh, and propaganda saying that vaccines are bad and stuff, and people are. Ref- are almost scared or just simply straight out refusing to get them. And that's why there's been a recent sort of surge in deaths. And then people are saying, Oh, I should have got the vaccine and stuff. So it's, it's a very sort of, it's a frustrating situation to be in the States. The minute given they've got a very, very strong vaccine rollout program. And now this is happening and it's putting everything else back into, back into jeopardy. But there was a report that came out a couple of hours ago uh, at time of recording that said that WWE's been in talks with the state of Nevada and their sports commission. And it looks like everything's still on track to go ahead, but then that's when they introduced the mask mandate. And it only seems the right thing to do, given even if everybody who's attending might be vaccinated, they might not be, but I'm pretty sure NXT at the Capitol wrestling center still implements the mask mandate. And they've got those perspex screens with the, the mesh cage behind it. It's, yeah, no, I appreciate it's a much smaller crowd, but at least people are taking the approach to, you know, keep the audience safe and it keeps the performers safe as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a mask mandate should be the case. I was at, um, I was at Ibrox two weeks ago for Rangers Real Madrid and um, all the, would you call it, all the uh, concession stands, they're all shut. Um, there is free free water provided because obviously it was the middle of summer and it was an absolute belter of a day. Mm. Um, there's free water provided. There's wee thing we's going off every 20 minutes, like a wee announcement over the stadium that just says, uh, say, the concourses are shut. Please do not be there unless you have to get water or use the toilets, uh, a mask mandate as an effect, and please make sure no one is sitting directly in front or directly behind you. So essentially, 
making sure that people were spaced out, making sure that people were wearing masks and, you know, making sure that no one was gathering places they shouldn't be gathering. So if that's the case for football matches going ahead, and I know in the next few weeks we plan to see in Scotland and in England a return to full capacity, I don't think it's a lot to ask people, look, see for the first couple of weeks, can you wear masks? And if everything goes okay, we can keep coming to football and you don't need to wear masks. You know what I mean? It's going to be interesting to see it, actually, over this next weekend. So to jump in, I'm going to Anfield on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool have got two pre-season friendlies coming up um, Sunday and Monday. Uh, they're both 75% capacity. So it's not a full stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. I know not neither of them are a sellout because tickets are available right now and they're offering free ones for kids. Um with all conditions of sale and all that kind of stuff. But I don't, I haven't seen anything about masks or anything. Now, this is going to be like my first major event that I've been back to. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this one shakes out. But I, I, I agree. I think like having a mask, you know, it, it's just a common, decent kind of thing to do at the moment. And, you know, it's just polite more than anything else. Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, here's hoping that going forward, obviously, we can get back to normality without the mask. But totally. Well, now, you know, wear the mask to help get back to normality. You know what I mean? Nobody's, uh, it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's got to be a transitional period, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, obviously, we talked about the big news, Bray Wyatt being released. Um, Ric Flair also released this past week. Um, he's came out and said it was his decision. Rumours that he was unhappy, but he just he, his statement just said, I wanted to go, I knew they were letting people go, and I phoned Vince directly. So, Ric Flair released. There wasn't a lot for him to do. He was starting to get into that um, due respect to these people, but the, and some of them are now passed on, so I'm about to start slating the dead here. <laughs> but, like, you know how your, your Pat Patterson's, your Sergeant Slaughter's, your, your Jim Duggins, the ones that always come back. When you see Legends Night, you see a photo of them from, you know, 1979, and you're like, they don't look like that anymore. Um, but he was he was in danger of becoming that sort of territory. He used to, you know, his manager run at the start of Charlotte's career was great. His I'm having sex with Lacey Evans, but we're not saying it out loud stage of his career was not. Um and I think this one makes sense. If you're doing budget cuts, unless he's going to be taking someone like was meant to be years ago, meant to be Dolph Ziggler, um, unless he's going to be a manager for someone, I really don't see the point in having Ric Flair around, David. Mm. No, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Ric Flair, you know, he's a two-time Hall of Famer. He's a national treasure when it comes to WWE. And I don't think anybody's going to blame him if he doesn't have, you know, any sort of, on camera role with WWE, but you know, he could be an ambassador. He could be on a, a legends contract. He can do meet and greets, that kind of thing. But there were reports going around that he was, that there was some frustrations with certain booking decisions. One in, I think you mentioned sort of briefly earlier, the, the storyline with Lacey Evans. I mean, if he was going to be offering managerial services to sort of boost Lacey Evans' profile. And to be honest, I think she did need a little extra because I mean, she was there or thereabouts, but she just wasn't breaking through that, you know, that glass ceiling to really establish herself as a top name. But then obviously real life kicks in and, uh, 
she announces she's pregnant. So she's basically off indefinitely now with maternity leave. And there wasn't just really much else for him to do besides, you know, have a few on-screen promos with Charlotte. And But nobody's going to blame him if, you know, if, if there's nothing for him to do because he's done everything that there is to be done. Like, and I don't, me personally, I, I think he's done, he's done everything that he could do. And, every, and, and I'm not going to look at him any differently. No, no I, I, I agree. Yeah, you know, he's, he, he's, he's done it all, hasn't he? And he's, what, 75 years old? Mm-hmm. He's still, you know, culturally relevant. People still refer to him in, you know, in various things, whether they be movies, TV shows or songs or whatever. Uh, he, he's still got a profile. He can still do what he wants. Now, I'm I'm sure he was on a very large Legends contract. And yeah, I mean, I thought he might have got one big sort of fan fest payday out of him. You know, but fair play. Yeah, fair play to him. Yeah, I mean, he's always talked about how, you know, I, I don't know if any of you have seen the 30 for 30 documentary on yes. him on ESPN. Yes. If you haven't, look it up. It's sensational. It's um, He talks about regret, about trying to be a friend to his late son, Reed, you know, and going out partying and all that instead of being a father, you know, about how, you know, his ex-wives and all that say they couldn't be Reed Flair, sorry, Rick, Richard Flair. He had to be Ric Flair. He had to be, you know, the character. Maybe now, you know, he's on his like, fifth marriage. That's lasted somehow. Maybe he's just got to the point where he thought, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this. And maybe he's just got to a point where he's like, yeah, I'm too old now. Let's just accept it. And let's, you know, so if that's the case, then fair play to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. But Ric Flair gone from WWE, so he won't be, well, he might come back for Legends Nights and all that. Uh, someone who's not gone yet, but could be gone very soon. And I'll let you start with this, seeing as you are the biggest fan of his on the podcast. Adam Cole, maybe. Baby. baby. Oh. He's, he was rumoured to be out of contract at the start of August. He's apparently signed a short extension, but apparently not offered. Some reports saying he's not been offered a contract. Some reports saying he's knocked back to multiple contracts. So... Um, just to put something out there in the open, he is a big twitcher. He does make a lot of money off Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the main roster contracts and NXT contracts are very different. NXT contracts allow this. Maybe, and I'm just speculating, could they maybe be coming after his Twitch channel as well? And that's maybe one of the reasons Adam Cole's turned down a contract. It's hard to say, really, because I haven't seen much reports lately about him, them wanting to take control of his Twitch channel. But it, this has been a, a talking point uh, specifically within the last sort of few months and even went to the point of Congress where I think it was Andrew Yang said if the Democrats took control of uh, the, the uh, I think it was the White, the Senate or the White House, one of the two, that he would launch an inquiry into WWE's working practices, specifically around Twitch streaming. But uh, still, I don't think that's come to fruition as of yet. But talking of Adam Cole's status, the he actually he did take an extension to see him work up to SummerSlam weekend and take over thirty six because it looks like he's going to have a blow off match with Kyle O'Reilly. Possibly, 
I mean, if it is gonna, if his contract is gonna expire, he probably maybe they might do a loser leaves NXT match or something, and then that puts the feud to a, a complete end. But you're right, he does make a he does make a fair bit from his Twitch stream, and he's he appears a lot on Up Up Down Down as well, which is WWE's, which is it's all monitored by WWE, but it's all run by Austin Creed, aka Xavier Woods. And I even just watched their latest Uno episode today, and he's still just as hilarious as he always is. And even though Tyler Breeze got released uh, about a month ago, he still appears on the channel, but under his under his real name, uh, Matt Matt Clement. So, I mean, who's to say you know Adam Cole doesn't you know appear under his gamer tag name Chugs all the time from going forward? But what I'm most interested in is you know people are saying what if he goes to AEW to join his his other half, Brett Baker. Now, that would be interesting given that he has associations not just with her, but with the elite as well. Yeah, John, I was going to save that question for you before David hoovered up all my leads. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, another, you know, I, we're going to hear it all the time now. I'm sure it was the same in the 90s when people left WWE and WCW. Um, WWE, AEW, every time someone leaves, are they going there? Are they going there? Are they going there? Yeah. His his partner is a massive part of AEW. He was part of the Bullet Club before he was quote unquote killed off <laughs> on being the elite. Um, we talk about people stealing gimmicks. Do you think he'll show up in AEW with an Undertaker style gimmick? <laughs> uh, oh, I, I I don't think so. Um, I'm sure that conversation between him and uh, and Brit has happened. Yeah, like, oh, you can't try yeah. something up. Uh, fancy, uh, fancy a little chat about this? Um, <laughs> I, I don't think, I, I genuinely, because I, I love Adam Cole as well. I was a huge fan of the Undisputed Era. I'm still kind of like processing the breakup of the Undisputed Era right now. Same. Um, yeah. I, I, I just don't think he'll go. I think he'll re-sign. And I think this is going to be, you know, I didn't think about the Twitch stuff. And now you've said it, that's resonating in my mind that, yeah, maybe this is a thing. And you mentioned that because about him not being an NXT, uh, you know, the NXT contract's been different. Maybe this is them going, okay, well, look, you're going up to SmackDown. Uh, oh, by the way, we might have to take control of your Twitch channel. Um, maybe that's the, the sort of sticking point. I, I don't think he'll roll up in AEW. I don't see it. And I'm sure they'd want him. But I also think AEW are about to run into a big brick wall with the amount of talent that they've started to collect now. They've become yeah. the talent collector alongside Kenny Omega's belt collector. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I just can't see him there right now. Uh, like I said, the speculation is going to be there. It's it, The links are obvious. I just don't see it. That's, that's fair enough. Um, I, and I, I'm going to go on record in saying this. I don't like the fact that they broke up the Undisputed Era. Oh, man, hail, hail. I'll fucking hail, hail, you boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the Undisputed Era were le- legit one of the greatest wrestling factions. And I'm going to yes. say that full stop. One yes. of the best uh, yes, John. factions, full stop. They were so good together, and when they broke them up, it was just like, "Why are why are you doing this?" There's I no point. Yeah, I thought they would be like the new day, 
they'd be together forever. Totally. They'd maybe maybe like they'd come up and go on different brands, you know, you know, Fish and O'Reilly could go to Raw as a tag team, you know, oh, uh, Roddy could go to 205 Live, he's been on the Cruiserweight division before. Adam could be on SmackDown and then they're back together at pay-per-views and all that, you know. I I would have been for that, but and I'm sorry, Dave, but I I think Kyle O'Reilly is boring as a single star. I find him so mm. dull and so unbelievable, and he's so wooden on the mic, and he's so. I found, I honestly, I found Bobby Fish more enjoyable since he's came back. He's been on TV <laughs> about three times. Oh, and, and, and to rub salt in the wound, he, he to rub salt in the wound, he went up against Roddy as well. Exactly, and if if if, if giving Kyle O'Reilly a singles run was the reason we broke up the Undisputed Era, then I'm sorry. I know Triple H and NXT are sometimes immune from criticism, but that was a stupid move because I'm sorry, I. I don't see it, and if anyone's going to step up to Adam Cole within the group, then they should be kicked out because the Undisputed Era were sensational. Adam Cole doesn't need them, but, you know, look at Bobby Fish. You know, he's been enjoyable, but injury-prone Undisputed Era always kept him relevant. Kyle O'Reilly, wooden, unbelievable quite frankly, dull as a baby face. And then Roddy Strong, I like the diamond mine. I think it's a really good thing. But again, it's another stable. And that's why Roddy Strong's in it. You know what I mean? So, uh, And he was already a brilliant heel to begin with. So it works brilliantly for him. I still think Bobby yeah. and Kyle should reunite as part of Red Dragon. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. That, uh, that's fair enough. But I, I don't know whether you thought like you know you were saying oh, Kyle, Kyle was a bit boring. Do you think it's because, like you said, he had su- they had such a great front man? in UE that they didn't need to go out and shine like that because Adam Cole could do all that stuff. They didn't have to. It was, Um, it was sheer collective dominance. I think, you know, you obviously had to have a front man, but that, I mean, sure. All eyes are on the charismatic front man, but you almost forget you've got a guy with unbelievable stamina and Roderick strong, and you've got one of the best tag teams from the independent circuits with, uh, with red dragon fish and O'Reilly, you know, two time ring of honor champions. Uh, you know, they'd been mingled with each other before in future shock, uh, as part of ring of honor and all these guys, like multi- a few of these guys have been ring of honor world champions. So yeah, they're all world title title contenders. And that's that the, the best intro music ever. Oh yeah. Yes. But at the same time, just, I, Maybe I'd feel differently if, you know, because Adam Cole was getting cheered, he still could have been a tweener and Kyle O'Reilly could have been the heel. But I just, as a face, I just don't buy him and I just, I find him a bit dull. Whereas before he was sort of funny with his wee quips and the wee segments they did and all that, you know what I mean? I think they've, it's like some people are really good supporting actors, but if you put them as the main actor, the movie doesn't sell. That's what that's what Kyle O'Reilly is to me. He's a he's a Seth Rogen. I quite like Seth Rogen <laughs> ensemble comedies and these things. But when he's up there himself, you know, I, I'll watch it and it'll still be pretty good. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't enjoy it as much as the likes of Knocked Up. Fair. I can see that. <laughs> But no, I I, to- I totally get the analogy. I totally get it. 
John John said fair, David's sitting there seething. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, don't be hating on Kyle. Cool, Kyle. <laughs> well, someone who was a bit of a... A bit of a... A bit of a knob. Not a bit of a knob, no, no. We'll, we'll get to that story in a minute. I know the one you're referring to. A bit of a staple at the start of NXT on USA era was Leo Rush. And he's recently been cleared to return to active wrestling. Guys, he's... Um, I think he's had more retirements than Terry Funk and Mick Foley can bite this Leo Rush. <laughs> Uh, it's he's sort of like a modern day incarnation of uh, Mick Foley, given the amount of retirements he has. But the story behind this is, is that he he had one match in the Casino Battle Royal at AEW Double or Nothing. He then announced his retirement at the ripe old age of twenty six. But then it turns out that he had uh, unfulfilled contractual obligations for a match in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But he ended up getting injured before that. So what I, what I believe he's come out and said is is that. Now that he's fully healed, he's going to honour those those obligations. He's going to come back for another match. And whatever happens next, I think, just remains to be seen. Maybe that's when he'll properly retire. John, do you think we'll see Leo Rush in New Japan yelling, Forever! Let Terry um, Funk? More than likely. More than likely. Uh, it's... Uh... It's crazy. Like I said, he's he's retired so many times. Is it believable anymore? And, you know, he, he did his ACL, didn't he? That was the injury, didn't he? He's like, every, he's, I've just got a tweet in front of me. Every single day for the past three months, I've been in rehab working harder than I ever have before. Happy to announce that today I've been cleared. Three months after an ACL injury, turn it in. Not having any of that. No, he's and he's just tried... Some people don't try, like, make him wrestle. He's probably just, oh, it's my ACL. Oh, oh, I've done my ACL, my, my FDR and my YMCA. But, so <laughs> like, I, I, again, I can't sort of take him seriously as, a, as somebody who's going to come in there now and, and, you know, have these matches. Is he going to, like, have a few matches just to fulfil his contract so he doesn't have to, you know, either not get paid or pay them back some money or something like that and then disappear again? And then turn up again six months later in Impact or Game Changer or whatever. Is is he going to be challenging Matt Cardona next? Like I love, I I really like Leo Rush. I thought he was an absolute talent. Oh, his feud with his feud with Angel Garza was a sight oh, to behold. So good, and that that fin- I love that finish. That um the the sort of stunner off the the ropes. That the bizarre stunner, yeah, yeah, the springboard stunner. It, it looked great. It was a brilliant move. I popped the first time I saw that, but I just can't take him seriously now. Uh, it's just a shit. He sort of just went a bit downhill ever since he was released. And I don't know. I can't remember what his exact response was, but I'm pretty sure he was very, very frustrated with it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know he was frustrated with WWE. Uh, and then, you know, he was like, I'm, I'm going to be out there. And then he was in New Japan for a bit and he showed up in the Battle Royal. Um, by the way, AEW, can we stop the surprise number 21s unless it's going to be someone good? Like, Mark Henry was announced as Rampage commentator like 10 minutes later. Could we not have had him? Didn't they see him win, but it would have been cooler to see, you know, him throwing people over the top rope than Leo Rush botching everything. I know he had a comedy, but still. Hey, you want to talk about botching stuff? Just remember what Matt Seidel did when he first yeah. showed up. 
Oh, thank God, so that was even worse, wasn't it? Oh there, there you go, there you go. Exhibit B, Your Honour, for getting rid of the surprise 21. Uh, Matt Seidel sets the bar when it comes to uh, falling flat in your face as soon as you come out the curtain. Yeah, John, um, for just to fill you in on a wee inside joke we have, so mm. every time um, there is a mystery guest or a mystery partner or a mystery opponent when we do our monthly sweeps, I always go James Storm. <laughs> and it's, it's been going for three years and it's never once been James Storm. So I'm going to start guessing Bastion Booger in the hope that me saying that will make it James Storm. <laughs> so, well, no one will say Bastion Booger. <laughs> Can we get Adam Bomb back as well? I think they're both dead. I'm going to be honest with you. Wow. <laughs> Are you the Saudi prince? Are you just demanding all these dead wrestlers? <laughs> that might be it. <laughs> Brass ring ladder match. Get me the ultimate warrior. <laughs> Bring me Yokozuna. Oh Jesus, I know. I what was oh. that all about? Anyway, from someone who was a staple to someone who was a dick, as um, <laughs> as David said earlier, Matt Castor. Um, and a wee bit of hot water after his controversial rap. On last night's episodes of Dark, also Dark celebrates its 100th episode, which, you know, six people celebrated. Um, it's it's their version of superstars, isn't it? Like, I do apologise if I'm not... As, as David Campbell said in the group chat, excuse me for not getting the button out. <laughs> <laughs> it was... He, he did a controversial rap where he featured references to Simone Biles, the Olympian who is currently battling mental health and is withdrawn, uh, and the Duke Lacoste, uh, Lacrosse sorry, rape accusations. Um, the entire episode of Dark was taken off the YouTube channel and then put back on with this uh, rap still featured. Um, it was a case of... Um, it was pre-taped, no one thought that'll be, you know, that will be a problem. It went out and then was taken back down. And apparently, I, I really wasn't happy with um, with Tony Khan's sort of response. You know, Tony Khan likes to say he's this sort of hands-on boss and he he's overseeing everything. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it should have been edited out. People shouldn't have... Um, People shouldn't have a uh, have missed that. You're the owner. Like you know, say what you will about WWE, you know, and we 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 criticised their sort of overly hands-on approach when it came to the Fiend character. But Vince McMahon doesn't miss that, you know, on a pre-tape show. But we will get into live shows with WWE. They're not off the hook for this either. But he doesn't miss that, in a, a, you know, a, a pre-tape show. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a weird one because as soon as I saw this, I'm thinking, how has this guy not been fired, let alone suspended or fined at the very least? Because that kind of stuff just does not need to be tolerated in 2021. Maybe in like you know, maybe there was a time you know where you know saying stuff like that may, might not get as much attention, but there's a lot more focus on mental health and you know people you know, talking about very serious stuff about rape victims and stuff like that. Like even fans were calling it out saying, 
Uh, I get heels need heat, but it shouldn't come at the expense of actual victims do better. Using sexual assault, emotional, mental illness for reaction shows that you're inept in this field. And Matt, Matt's caster's rap was effing shits. Ugly, witless, irresponsible, that it made air suggested total incompetence in one arm of a company that is aggressively expanding. This is bad, left unchecked, and it just might more disasters like this await. Like, if it was up to me, he'd be out the door. Like, just bring the hammer down and say AEW does not tolerate that kind of thing. And I'm also reminded of the incident a few years ago in WWE where AEW was managing the primetime players and he had this uh, handless mic attached to him so he could sort of, you know, everybody could hear him as he talked while they were on matches. And then he made a a very, very disgusting joke about uh, Kobe Bryant and his alleged... uh, those rape accusations that he had back in, I think it was the early 2000s. And I think WWE first suspended him and then fired him as a result. So, I mean, it was swift action. And I think even the commentators had to apologize on air. And this was a live show. This wasn't just pre-taped. It was, it caused a lot of stir. But then then AW ends up responding, you know, he's bad-mouthing WWE, bad-mouths Linda McMahon's Senate run. Uh... He was just incredibly immature the way he responded to that. I mean, it was his own fault. And w- back then, WWE did the right thing. And I think AEW is letting Caster off lightly here. Uh, John. Mm. Yes. Pre-taped shows, obviously, you you have the the glory of hindsight and you can maybe re-record or re-edit things. Is it a failure that this has went out? Or do you think this is all on Max Caster. There's there's a, a lot of people probably that we can point the finger at here. Obviously, Max Caster is the first one because he did the rap. He's the person who spoke those words. He's the guy who said it. Whoever is in charge of producing, editing, and making these decisions should then have basically gone, look, this isn't, yeah, this this is a pre-tape show. We've already got this in the can. We can cut this out, you know, and just go like from a graphic to them in the ring. And that would have been extremely sensible. But someone didn't do that and they let it roll, which was very, very silly. There's th- This is going to be one of those situations where everyone's pointing the finger at somebody else. And going, oh well, you know, you should have, you should have made the decision to do that. No, 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 it was your decision. No, no, it was yours. No, no, and everyone's blaming each other. Caster's got to take the, the responsibility. I know. I, I heard an interview with um, with his partner, with uh, with Bowens a little while ago, and they were talking about the raps. Seems as on busted open, and they were talking about the, uh, the the raps. And he said, "Does he kind of like run them by you beforehand?" And Bowens went, yeah, sometimes he does. And he went, yeah, oh, what do you think of this? He went, you can't say that. Mm-hmm. Surely he he didn't, you know, write this and go, <laughs> I'm going to have a bit of a laugh at Simone Biles' expense. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. You ca- No, why? Why would you? I, I understand as a heel, you're there to get heat, but that's the wrong heat. That's, that's not how you get heat. You know, I, I thought the acclaimed were a great tag team. Yeah, the way that they came across, I actually enjoyed the shtick, but that is crossing a line. And 
yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree some severe punishment should have to happen, but there's, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing. And, yes. you know, Tony Khan going, well, I'm just going to oversee the edit now. I'm sorry, Tony, you're not going to sit there with, you know, Adobe Premiere, are you, and edit this thing before you put it on YouTube. That's not going to happen. That's just him saying, I'm going to oversee the editing process. He'll yes. watch a couple of the episodes now. You know, with things that people have flagged up, like you said, things get past, you know, Vince gets told everything. He'll be, the, he'll want the same kind of scrutiny now. But there's no way he's sitting down there in the edit suite watching this. Not a chance. No, absolutely not. Um, someone by who's also referenced this past week on Monday Night Raw, I think the reason there's more outrage at Matt Caster and not Charlotte Flair's use of Simone Biles is the fact that Matt Caster sort of mocked Simone Biles and had a wee dig at her, whereas Charlotte Flair was using her as sort of a a measuring stick sort of thing to show, like, well, she's feeling like this, so I'm feeling like this, you know, and on WWE TV, like, look, if outside of WWE, it, like Charlotte was interviewed, you know, by somebody and said, oh, I took time off for WWE because... I saw the Simone Biles thing and then I realised I felt that way, so, you know, I I wanted... But it was in character, it was to make it sound... It make her seem sympathetic while being completely oblivious, which, you know... It, it is what good do, but at the same time, it's maybe something that shouldn't be getting referenced at the minute, considering, considering the, the lassie who pulled out the Olympics had such hatred and bio centre from certain, you know, corners of the media. Maybe just don't mention it, even if it is not as not as bad. Um, for those of you that have not seen the promo, Charlotte says, I woke up and I saw the news that Simone Biles uh, had pulled out the Olympic squad and I thought to myself, this is when the crowd started to boo, I thought to myself, why would one of the most talented gymnasts not want to go for the gold anymore? And just like because I was a different person, but then she was soldiering on. I think that's when the sort of like land of her eyes soldiered on. I fought through it, whereas, you know, it was a week for that. Yeah, I think basically, like, with something like this, obviously, yeah, what you were saying there, she referenced the situation in this promo. And I think we've all been very acutely aware of how people's mental health can be affected by what goes on in the world uh, of sport. And, you know, these people are, are so ambitious. They're so driven. And when something knocks them, it can knock them. And, yeah, there, there are other sports, men and women coming out with the same thing. I I personally don't think she should have referenced it. I think it was just one of those, oh, this is happening right now. We must have a kind of, as we called it in radio, a sense of day reference. Whereas it's something of the now. And I don't think she really should have used it. There are there are other ways to get that point across, but it it wasn't in the same league as the reference from Caster at all. Yeah, it was just straight up, you know, from Max Caster's perspective, it was straight up. Uh you know, used in a in a format where it was meant to be 
really sort of a, a vile take on it, whereas Charlotte was just using her her story as a bit of a comparison. And again, I think it was just down to being sympathetic. But even just venturing into that territory is sort of risky business because it could come off the wrong way. And, you know, you could get fans hating on you. You could, you know, get get the product in trouble. Like, it's probably best not to, you know, delve into such a controversial issue, especially when it's just, you know, such recent news and on a very topical issue, which has just come and to somebody, light. Somebody would have okayed that in WWE because, mm-hmm. you know, none of these promos go on air without them getting the okay from somebody in the back. I wouldn't say meant well, but didn't mean to be disparaging, if, if that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean to disparage Simone Biles, more make Charlotte look like a, a warrior, even if it is just in her own head, you know, and she's being a deluded heel, whereas Max Casters was very... Um, uh, well, we can talk about this if you know you want to talk about how times have moved on. Frankie Boyle's sort of comedy has has changed as he's got older. Before it was more shock value, and that that was very much a thing in the late nineties, early two thousand. Shock jocks and people people saying stuff. Even Twitter, when it was first started, Twitter was to go say outrageous things, and that's why so many you know not just not just wrestlers, but actors, sports stars, politicians, and all that have said stupid things on the internet when things were meant, were like that and have since been punished for it, you know what I mean? I think it's a case of the sort of shock jock angle works, but like as if he's, maybe if he's slagging things that are happening in wrestling, you know what I mean? Like, or things that, if he's having a go at his opponent and it's well-known things, but the opponent's cleared it. That's fine, but maybe don't take on things like this. But we'll move on to this because it's sort of murky waters and just neither of them should have happened. I think that's the, the main talking point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some good news, though. Uh, we here at East Suplex, which we were part of an AW Media call with Cody Rhodes yesterday. Um, Grant McRobbie uh, did that for us. Uh, and... We'll just go through some of the main talking points and we can have a wee, we can have a wee blur about what you fancy here. So there is no plans changed, no plans changed to, to accommodate the arrival of Tommy End. Everything's going forward as as planned. Uh, this is the impact of the likes of Jake Roberts and Aaron Anderson uh, backstage. He said, the more the merrier when it comes to bringing in more free agents. Um, he said, if someone there can move the needle, why not? We should bring them in. Uh, AEW has planned to tour the UK once the pandemic eases. Cody would have liked the Apogo match to be in the UK. He feels death matches have a place in wrestling, but wants a balanced product. Uh, we'd like his daughter to know he's never given up. He praises the works of the likes of Sean Dean and Thunder Rosa in the community. Praises the creativity of Bray Wyatt, interestingly enough. Says the company considering 30 to 40,000 capacity shows. He hopes everyone gets the COVID vaccine, encourages fans to wear masks at shows, just reiterating, reiterating what we said earlier. And said the company will continue to push new stars such as Darby Allen. Um, a lot to take in there, guys. Um, John, you were mentioning earlier about 
AEW bursting at the seams with new guys. And then Cody Rhodes says, well, the more the merrier. What are your thoughts on that? Get them all in. Sign them all. Um, I think, yeah. I, Everyone in the pool. Oh, yeah, exactly. Everybody in the pool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, if, you're, if, if you've got a talent who is a top-level talent who is free and, you know, willing to come to your company, then, of course, you have got to have that conversation with them. You've got to, you, you've then got to go, look, you know, he said there, there's no plans changed to accommodate the arrival of Tommy M. Great. Wonderful. Malachi Black, he's on, what is it, tonight? Is it going to be on Dynamite against Cody? Yes, um, that's right. I thought it was tonight. Um, great. Fantastic. It, it's brilliant to see him in there. I love seeing um, Tommy do his thing. Um, this is where I, I kind of like have my problem because they, they've obviously put it, enough out there now to say, yeah, CM Punk's pretty much in. Uh, if Daniel Bryan's come in, great, you know, again, two talents I love to bits and would love to see and love to see in the ring. Um, they've signed Andrade. And I've got to be honest with you, and I like Andrade a lot, I forgot they'd signed him. And I think that goes mm-hmm. to say a little bit because I'd completely forgotten they'd signed him because he hadn't done anything of note. And I popped on screen. And and there he is. It's it's the same like when you know they they bring in like the you know the Miros of the world and it took them ages to kind of book him right. It, you know, I, I just kind of fear that they're going to start stockpiling top talent and then do absolutely nothing with them and, and because they haven't got the, the space to throw them all at the top. And then, if you know, if this talk of Hangman Page going out of the main event at All Out is remotely true, if they're going to slip someone in just because they've got a new big signing, then uh, what, have they, what have they done with the past year's worth of great storytelling with Hangman Page? There's so much good stuff there. I, I just just have this little fear that they're going to do a Chelsea and start stockpiling talent. It reminds me of another company too, you know, one that stockpiles talent but then doesn't use them properly. It's uh, But I can't quite put my finger on it. <laughs> Who are we? We we talked about, John, I'll, I'll bring you into this, in our Suplex Retweet group chat, we talked about how there's times where WWE gets slated for things that AEW haven't done. Um, mm. WWE stockpiled talent while they had five brands. AEW yeah. stockpiling and bringing in talent from the NWA, Impact, New Japan, AAA, and they only have one show, like one well, one brand. It's not as if you know Rampage is Rampage will be Rampage will be like superstars when it started. You know, you had the big match with Sheamus and CM Punk, and you had a couple of IC title matches on there. But then, you know, it, it started to die away and you'd Sin Cara versus Bo Dallas every week, you know. <laughs> I, I fully expect that to be the case. And Dark, you know, Dark started off good as a secondary show, but, you know, the fact that it's got to 100 episodes shocked everyone because we thought it would all be cancelled by now. You've got yeah. Dark Elevation. The only reason there's going to be bigger stars up, and I say stars, bigger people on these shows is because they're not going to be getting used on the main shows. They're going to be, um, they're going to just be sort of trickling down, and that's sort of what WWE does. You know, it might be a treat to see Jeff Hardy on Superstars, but not if he's not doing anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, they do have a lot of talent. It's like that. 
And yeah, I, I think obviously the spot. I think it's more that the spotlight is very firmly on them right now, isn't it? Because they they're getting what what look like really good numbers. There's a lot of buzz about the company at the moment. Obviously, with the you know the sort of talk of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and even Ruby Soho, Ruby Riot. You know the the Sean Ross Sabbath yeah. talking about her coming in. Um, you, you know you get these brilliant talents like Tommy End and and, and Miro and. Andrade and you know they're all fighting for for that top spot again aren't they and it's a case of like great we've got them oh we've just kind of yeah yeah wait a few weeks will you lads just wait a few weeks over there and we'll come back to you I I, yeah that's my concern that they're just going to start doing that and then you know they've gone to AEW to have this new lease of life but they're not getting it yeah it's um it's a wee bit annoying, the stockpiling of talent. However, um, I, I mention this all the time. It was a tweet that mentioned the difference between WWE and AEW booking, and I've sort of expanded on it. So I don't know who sent the tweet. I'll try to find it eventually and give you credit on here. But they were saying about AEW feels like feuds might end too quickly, but at the end, and there's a clear winner, whereas WWE drags out feuds with 50-50 booking, and it's sort of... Um, it tries to make both people stars, but in the end, no one's a star. Whereas at AEW, and yet it was annoying to see the likes of, you know, Lance Archer, Eddie Kingston, Brian Cage all come in and then boom, 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 John Moxley runs through them. But yeah. at the end of the day, John Moxley then becomes a massive star. John Moxley then becomes this sort of mythical creature who's going to take him down. And he moves on to a fresh feud. And I've, I've, this is always the good thing I've said about that. But the bad thing is, as you said, the sort of rebuilding process you need to go back through again. It's um, it's a case of, right, you know, Brian Cage came in and he won the ladder match and it was a big surprise. And he's with Taz and he's cutting great promos and always oh, lost. What, what, what do we do now? Do we, yeah. do we back in? Because if you're putting people right into the title picture from the start, anything else seems like a demotion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and that is the bad thing about stockpiling talent. However, you did mention Ruby Riot or Ruby Soho or was it Heidi, was her name Heidi Lovely? Something Hi, that's yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's rumoured to be signing with AEW. Their women's division is something we did criticise for a while. Um, it's becoming better and better. Britt Baker is also teasing, bringing in the Iconics. I think if they were to bring more women in, I wouldn't have a problem with that because the women's division is it's sort of like you, you, you referenced Chelsea there, you know, when they used to... Chelsea never used to play with wingers and yet they used to bring in winger after winger after winger yeah. and then wonder why it never worked out for them. And it's, it's sort of like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we've got lots of wingers there. Um, any chance we could get a central defender? That's sort of like what you're like with AEW at the minute. Yeah, we've got lots of main event guys there. Any chance a, a couple of women for, for Britt Baker to fight here? You know what I mean? So hopefully Ruby Riot comes in soon. I think she was a vastly underrated talent. And I just want to get your guys' thoughts on maybe the Iconics coming into. WWE into AEW 
as a tag team because we recently heard uh, Peyton Royce reveal that she was the reason that the Iconics split up. She pitched the idea of an Iconics breakup because I think we all thought, David, it was sort of out of nowhere because they came back and they were in the women's tag title picture and they were in pay-per-views and they were getting used more and more and then all of a sudden it was just, other oh, split up. Yeah, it was like the most ent- they were the most entertaining aspect of the women's division for quite some time because they just they're they're best friends in real life. They they're both from the same like area of Australia, and they just had such amazing chemistry with not just each other but other women on the roster too. And sure, they had moments to shine as individuals. Like Billy Kay had that stretch of their CV towards the end of her WWE tenure. Peyton Royce was getting a bit more exposure in NXT as a solo competitor. Uh, excuse me, excuse, excuse me, Dave, Dave. It was not a CV. It was a resume. The resume. <laughs> right, okay. Has Dan corrected the resume. Um, but yeah, see, they, they do have moments of brilliance as single stars, just as long as they're booked correctly. But... Personally, I find them more entertaining when they work together as a tag team. Plus, it looks it helped them. They were sort of a driving force behind WWE actually trying to make a go of women's tag team wrestling as well. And that's something I think AEW could learn from as well. Because surely they've got some great female solo stars, such as Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, just to name a few. If they brought in the Iconics uh, in that capacity, they could have a chance to shine as tag team wrestlers and... Uh, single stars but what got them over mainly was just their massive larger than life personalities and i think they could do with some uh some other women which are dynamite on the mic no pun intended <laughs> yeah um what i'm hoping as well though like we, we talked about um about people maybe too many people in and about the um and about the men's division I'd love if more people started going a Ring of Honor or TNA, not Forbidden Doorway, but just actually signing with them because those those guys did take a hit, a hit sorry, when WWE was hoovering up talent and AEW was starting out, you know. So it'd be great to see it'd be great to see more talent going there, but but put it this way, I'm not worried that they're gonna get completely buried or never used if people are cheering for them in AEW. But as John says, it's sort of a sort of a hoovering up thing and it's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, strange situation is it, I mean I would love to see more people. I think the you know the iconics or the inspiration is it that they're gonna be known as? I can't remember. Mm, the, I, the II inspiration. Yeah that's the one. That's the one. I, I think they're a perfect fit for impact. Uh, I mean, Impact's women's division's doing pretty good at the minute, too. I think, I just hope, you know, if they went to Impact, it might not take the eye off, you know, all this rising rising talent that's coming out of uh, Impact's women's division. I think there's always a place for them in AEW, but they still have that forbidden door option to go to Impact if they choose to. Yeah, and they can go, you know, do it the other way around. Impact first, AEW after whatever works best for them. But they did say on their podcast, I think they were having some visa issues late as of late, but... Uh, You've got to be joking, mate. I... <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. But yeah, just if you want to get a good insight into how to how their, how things are with them, you just listen to their Off, off Our Chops podcast. It's on Spotify. 
What a great name for a podcast. Um, I, I think that is a... Sorry, you go. Oh, I was just saying, it's um, it's just a great way to sort of see them as, you know, Jess and Cassie rather than, you know, Billy and Peyton. I was just saying, um, it's a good, it, the podcast is a good way to see them as Jess and Cassie rather than, you know, playing the characters on TV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm just looking at the other stories we have for this week. At the, oh, well, as soon as we're on AEW, Ever Rise... Uh, the former River Eyes are rumoured to be appearing on uh, AEW tonight. Don't know if anyone that. Yeah, I've uh, seen some pictures of them. They've uh, they've called out Moxley, Kingston, and Darby Allen. I think it's a bit of a bit of an odd pairing, but it's. I mean, talk about you know aiming for for big names on your first night. Yeah, why not go in? Going big. They're going to be called 2.0, apparently. I think that's the first uh, stable name I've heard, which isn't like... Sorry. I think that's the first stable name I've heard that is solely numbers and not letters. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to debut uh, with uh, Daniel Garcia. And against three of AEW's most prominent talents. I mean, it's, it's going to be fireworks for sure. It's a fair start, isn't it? Yeah. I liked Ever Rise on on uh, at the end of their run on NXT that um doing the, the whole pre pre show and Ever Rise Live was just it was fun. Yeah, they, they they were clearly having fun. They'd hit a little stride and it was it was good to see them having a good time. And then the dreaded budget cuts came in and yeah. they were part of uh, I think they were part of the twenty twenty one Black Wednesday releases. Yeah, and then they got binned. It's a shame, really. They had potential, but I could tell they were mainly just jobbing out in NXT. Totally. And they would have done that on the main roster as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we mentioned people going to Impact earlier on, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, we can rebuild those rosters again. But they do have a pretty solid roster, both male and female. And we saw that that, that this past um, this past Sunday, uh, Sunday I believe, Um the homecoming tournament won by Diana Perazzo and the drama king. Not Aiden English, no, no, a completely different drama king. Uh, Matthew Reinhold, I believe his name is. Aye, yep. Um, so the two of them defeating uh, everyone's favourites to win the tournament, uh, Chelsea Green and Zack Ryder in the tournament final. Um I'm really glad that Aiden, sorry, the former Aiden English is in Impact. A very, very good, very good gimmick that sort of got swept up in the Rusev Day hype, and then never really found his feet again. Um, great to see him back, and I think he's one of these people that saw the gap in the market for Impact and Ring of Honor and decided, "I'm going to go there. I can be a star there." Hmm. Yeah, it's he's just one of those free agents, you know, that was sort of cutting about. You know, I hadn't seen him since I think it was can't mean the year he was released. Was it? I think he was released before Rusev was. So, but it's nice to yes. see him. It's nice to see him back in action, and you know, teaming with Diana Perazzo, I thought she was going to choose like, uh, I thought she was going to choose her man, um, the the man formerly known as Steve Cutler. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well. 
there was some interesting people that showed up at the tournament. You know, John uh, TNA, TNA and Impact, right? Uh, sorry, Originals. People like Hernandez, Pete Williams, uh, Missy Hyatt was back. Oh. Missy Hyatt was teaming, teaming with Brian Myers. Um, we had so many people there. We had. Sorry, it was the semi final. They defeated um, defeated Chelsea Green and uh, Zach, uh, the former Zach Ryder, and they defeated Decay, Crazy Steve, and Rosemary in the tournament final. Sorry. Uh, and also uh, a couple of big matches on that show. Josh Alexander, we, we talked, uh, John, you talked there about people going to to AEW and too many people going. Um, Ethan Page broke up the North to go there and be a single star and is now in a throwaway tag team with Scorpio Sky. And now Josh Alexander's having the run of his life as X-Division champion in TNA. Yep, best uh, best thing he did was staying there. And I mean, I really liked the North. I thought they were great together, though, so it worked perfectly. Um, but Josh Alexander's fantastic. And he's really, you know, carving a niche out as a solo, solo wrestler now and doing great work. And, you know, like you said, Ethan's just kind of like knowing this throwaway tag team. Yeah, I'd, I'd argue he would have been better not going up solo would have been better going with Josh or staying where he was. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, really no reason for him to, to go other than be, again, the number 21 in a battle royal. Like, yeah. uh, sorry, it was the seventh man in the ladder match, sorry. Um, which is fine, you know, oh, yes, we've got a big surprise and that'll pop the crowd, but look, what are you going to do with him after? Mm-hmm. I'd love it if he used the forbidden door to go back and challenge Josh Alexander for the X Division title. I'd love to see it. That would be great. Um, I can't see it happening, but I'd, I'd love to. Uh, another man who's taken the advantage of becoming a star in, in Impact, William Morrissey, David, the former Big Cass, um, he had his sort of he had his troubles, he had his, his mental health issues, um, but he's back now. He looks in sensational shape, mm-hmm. and he's had some really good matches with Eddie Edwards, both at Slammiversary and at Homecoming. Even even though he, he ended up on the losing end, he's, he's sort of getting back into wrestling, and that's great to see. Uh, you know, we mentioned, you know, his, his, his sort of dip into alcoholism and his health issues and stuff were sort of piling up on him but he's back in impact he looks fantastic fantastic shape and i'm just glad to see he's on the mend you know particularly given how much uh how much he went through both uh, mentally and physically but this I, i think i said last time this is a really fresh start for him and you know getting the initial victory over eddie edwards is massive given obviously eddie edwards is a former Impact World Champion. I think uh, now that Eddie Ed, now that Edwards has got a victory over him, I hopefully want to see them do a rubber match, but maybe with something a bit more with a bit more stakes on the line. Yeah, yeah, it, it'd be good to see, and it's, it's as you said, it's good to see him back, and 
long may continue in Impact Wrestling. Um, but yeah, we're talking about Impact here moving from Twitch, where they show their weekly shows, to YouTube now. Um, we saw guys with the, the success of AEW's secondary show when it first launched Dark, you know, to get viewers in. The sort of the numbers WWE pre-shows take in on YouTube and, of course, NWA Power as a weekly show. Um, how beneficial YouTube can be for promotions wanting to run weekly shows and impact since the sort of 2020 releases when they started teasing people coming back for that anniversary, They've been on a sort of roll, just quietly building momentum. And this, for me, David, is hopefully another step for them uh, in the right direction and hopefully get back to the the size the company once was pre like Hogan Bischoff era. I, I agree. Like YouTube, I, I think YouTube's a, a lot a much larger platform compared to Twitch. And obviously Twitch is the obviously the brand new social media app, you know, people who can stream anything on it these days. Most people use it for gaming, but it all started on YouTube in particular and AEW's capitalized on putting like dark and dark elevation on youtube and stuff so i think maybe they're sort of taking a page out of uh, AEW's book on that front but generally youtube has a larger audience and they also have the benefit of you know just um generally free youtube comes with ads throughout their videos so any video that gets clicked on it you know that'll, that'll include ad revenue for them as well so it's uh Business-wise, it is a very smart decision, and I think they'll subsequently capitalise on a larger audience at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be good to see, John. Hopefully, we get back to the stage that TNA was at pre-Hogan and pre-Bischoff, but also with the pandemic starting to ease, hopefully they can get back to the UK because we know Impact did some of its biggest shows in the UK. Yeah, and they've got a big fan base here, and it'd be great to see them over again. Uh, like I said, when things start to open up and you know, people feel safe coming over to the UK to put on events like this would be brilliant to see. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go and uh, go and chat them out and see what they're doing now. I wonder if they, you know, they'll, they'll try and find some slightly smaller venues, not the arenas. They'll go for something a little bit different. Um, but it'd be great to see. And I do like what they're doing with, with YouTube as well. Um, you know, as, as you were saying before, the, the platform uh, of Twitch, it's one of those ones which is like the new kid on the block. It's the one that everyone's kind of into right now. YouTube's just readily accessible. And they're sort of serving the hardcore fans as well, giving them this, you know, the, the, these exclusive posts for the subscription. You know, it's like one level at 99 cents a month. Uh, we get like on-demand stuff, some loyalty badges and things. And then it's like $5 a month, which isn't much for the Impact Insider thing, uh, where you get quite a lot of other uh, pay-per-views, special events, other exclusive programming. You know, they're, they're really doing something a bit different for the fans instead of just doing what they have on Twitch. And I quite like what they've they've gone gone with there. It's like a, it's almost like a membership in a sense. Like, you know, you get yeah. merchandise no, and I quite like that. Yeah, it's sort of like, a, like, for anyone that listens to sort of 
like football related podcasts. I know you've got stuff like, um, you know, Heart and Hand for Rangers. You've got Twenty Minute Tims for Celtic. They do Patreon stuff. Yeah. They do like free stuff, which is their weekly stuff, and then they allow different tiers and it allows people. You know, people's financial situations might not be in a state where they can go right. I want to pay ten pound and get all access, mm. but I can pay two fifty a month and still get a wee bit extra and get my money's worth. And that's that is quite a cool incentive, as you were mentioning there, John. Um, we're we're going to wrap it up here. We've talked about quite a bit. We've went into quite a bit of detail here. It has not been an easy show to record, guys, because my technology is tight. Yes, my computer has decided to take a heart attack six times um, during the show. I'll end the show with a nice wee, a nice wee piece of uh, news. Former WWE star Maven revealed that before walking out the curtain for his WrestleMania debut at WrestleMania 18, he was shaking with nerves, he couldn't calm down, and he felt like he was going to have a panic attack, only for... I mean, I mean, if someone's going to counsel you and you know make you feel better, you can't get much bigger than the people's champ. Um, the Rock walked up to Maven, put his hand on his shoulder, looked him directly in the eye, and said, "Don't worry, no one's expecting anything from you out there." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh wow! And then, when Maven was stunned and stopped shaking, The Rock gave him a wink to indicate he was joking, and then left. Look, what what a guy. We, we hear how nice The Rock is all the time, and it's nice to it's nice to hear that like a wrestling story about The Rock and how nice he is, you know, because it's usually Hollywood like, oh, it was great on set. It's nice to hear a few wrestling stories about The Rock nowadays. Mm-hmm. Did you see yeah. that interview we did where um, the, the interviewer had a Bret Hart t-shirt on and he started talking about how great Bret Hart was to him? Yes, yes. I love that. You see... Uh, it was sort of it was sort of as if Triple H because Triple H and The Rock's relationship they've always said they're friends now but they used to hate each other because Shawn Michaels was when Triple H's corner yeah. and Brett was just like he hated the clicks so when he seen people going after young guys he was like nah not happening because Brett was you know if any wrestling fan who watched in the 90s knows Brett Hart was the only big enough who, to stand up to the click and not be affected in any way back in the late, the early 90s because his, you know, his stock was high as anything then. You know, he was the guy. Obviously, the dog agrees. <laughs> well, that is going to do us for this evening. Um and as, as John says, technology has hated us this evening, but it's been enjoyable anyway. I've got through it thanks to David Hockney. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And John Isher will join us on the podcast again. Thank you for joining us, mate. Thank you very much. I'd just like to confirm, Adam Bomb is still alive. Oh, well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Problem solved. He's okay, everyone. He's fine. There we go. For six people that were wondering and still remembered from the start of the show, Adam Baum is still alive. <laughs> um, just remember, you can follow all our news, interviews, previews and reviews on eatsleepsuplexretweet.com. We've got articles, opinion posts and all that there. Uh, it also takes you to our 
the list of shows, which you can find on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android. Just search Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And, of course, all the cool kids' social media sites at Suplex Retweet. If you want to give me your people love for the day, that's where you'll find us, at Suplex Retweet. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. Cheerio, bye. See ya. See ya. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McRobbie. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.